0: are going to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 12. As you're turning there, can I just tell you something from one of, uh, as I was a kid, one of my favorite people in history was a woman named Corrie Tenboom. Boom. Uh, Corrie Ten Boom was a, uh, a person who lived during World War II, and she, her, she and her sister actually spent time in a German concentration camp, and she survived that. And then went on to be an author and and wrote some incredible things about uh, what the Lord did in her own life during that time. And, you know, one of the things that she said as she was reflecting on living in the world even in that time was she said, If the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. Can you relate to that? Doesn't it feel like the devil has done exactly that? Uh, If he can't figure out a way to make you bad, he will make you busy you know that the average American works more hours for less pay and fewer benefits than workers in almost every other industrialized nation in the world? They they actually were doing reports on this and they found that that statistic held to be true. We're in like the top five nations in the world of, of work hours done and we have some of the lowest benefits for the hours that we get put in. Now, I'm not about to make a political statement there or run for any kind of an office or make any kind of proposal. I wanna draw your attention to just how much it seems like the devil has done the thing Corey Tenboom said that he would do. If he can't make us bad, he will make us busy. And the impact of overworking has, it has potentially life-threatening impact on us. Uh, There was actually a study by the World Health Organization that came out in 2021 that said people working 55 or more hours a week face an estimated 35% higher risk of a stroke and a 17% higher risk of dying from heart disease compared to people following the widely accepted standard of working 35 to 40 hours in a week. How many hours did you work this week? Elizabeth, don't answer the question. I know you retired recently. Uh, So you're kind of bending the curve. You tired? Did that statistic make you feel tired? How many hours did you work this week? I just finished a doctoral dissertation. I worked like 100 hours every week for three years. I was working for the church, and then I was teaching a little bit, and then I was working on a dissertation. Thank God that I have finished the dissertation, and I don't have to work on that anymore. But are you feeling a little overworked? It's quiet at church today. Okay, so for the last few weeks, we've been talking about peace. In fact, we've been asking the question, how was it that Jesus managed to be someone who could hold on to his peace even though he was on his way to the cross? Remember the, the story. We've been rooting this in the moment where Jesus is on trial. He's being accused. In fact, they're trying to find false testimony against him in an illegal trial. And it says, Jesus holds his peace. Our question is, how in the world does he do that? And we've been wrestling with the idea that he doesn't just do that because he was the son of God. He did it because he was a man of discipline. And so we want, as we were told to take up our cross and follow Jesus, and we're called, like Paul says, to die daily. We want to figure out how is it that in a world that is so chaotic, that it is trying to drain us of all of our life, how is it that we could be people who pick up our cross, follow Jesus, die daily, and also hold our peace? So one of the important answers is found in all of the spiritual disciplines that Jesus practices. There's other ways that we can do that, but this series has been designed specifically to look at spiritual disciplines. So we've looked at the ways that Jesus would have a a habit of withdrawing for something called solitude and silence, and we looked at the multiple different ways that Jesus would practice prayer. And, And in our overworked and our weary tired world, Jesus would say to us today the same thing that he says in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me. Because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, we actually studied that passage of Scripture just a few weeks ago. You might remember uh, when I had my friend Chris stand up here and I just piled books in his arms. And he had to stand there and and hold all of them for a while. We learned what it means to take up the yoke of Jesus. Uh, so here, here's what you might be asking, though, is that if you're a student of Scripture like I try to be, you might look at this passage and, and think, okay, in 2022, Jesus, how is it that I'm supposed to actually come to you if I'm weary? What does it actually look like for me to do the rest thing in my life? And interestingly enough, if you're a student of the Word and you're going to ask God that question, you would probably want to keep on reading and see if the author of the book you're reading answers the question. Now I've got good news for you. Matthew answers the question that we would ask. How do we do rest? Well the way that Matthew answers that question is that in chapter 12, the very next set of verses, is Matthew tells us two back-to-back stories about how Jesus engages something called Sabbath. So today on, in part three of this series where we're wrestling with how we can hold our peace, we're going to talk about how Jesus engaged Sabbath. Let's pause for just a second and actually define this term because I'm not talking about Black Sabbath. I'm not talking about that band that you used to not be allowed to listen to or if you were a good Christian. Uh, we're talking about biblical Sabbath. Now, biblical Sabbath, Sabbath is actually a Hebrew word that literally means to cease, to desist, and to rest. Pete Scazzaro, he wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Leadership. He wrote another book called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. Now, in both of these books, he manages to define the word Sabbath like this. He says, Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Now, the Jewish tradition for Sabbath-keeping began on sunset, the evening before the Sabbath day. Now, in the Jewish tradition, you would rush home from work on, on, and all of your busyness on Friday, and you would, you would get home before sundown on Friday— and then you would actually practice Sabbath day was Saturday. And for a multiple different reasons that I won't get into the debate about today, uh, as Christians, most Christians in, in a Christ, Christian tradition will move their Sabbath to what we call the Lord's Day and Sabbath on Sunday, if you're Sabbathing. If you're Sabbathing, in italicized parentheses. If you Sabbath, you probably think that Christians would do that on Sunday. Uh, There's multiple different reasons why I think in a New Testament uh, worldview we might even be able to go so far as to say the point of Sabbath isn't so much what day you do it on, but do you do it the way Jesus would do it if he were living in your shoes? So that's actually what what we want to try to wrestle with. But let's look again a little bit more at what the Jews would do on the Sabbath. Uh, in fact people who are living in the in our modern world and following a Jewish tradition would still very much do s- similar things I was just talking to a friend of mine who was on a business call with a Jewish person just on Friday and it was kind of one of those like we're trying to wrap up the day uh, kind of business calls and I, I was actually in the room and I and I overheard them saying okay we gotta jump on zoom real quick and we gotta we gotta you know, get this meeting done. And so they hung up their phone call and they were going to jump on Zoom. And in between the phone call and the Zoom, my friend said to me, the person I'm on the phone with right now is Jewish and they're trying to make sure that we wrap up this meeting in the next 10 or 15 minutes because the sun is going to go down and whether we finish this call or not, he's going to hang up on me. So this was the rule for him is that as soon as the sun goes down, that's the Sabbath. The the 24-hour time of stopping stopping work has begun. And so with your family, if you were going to practice the Jewish tradition of Sabbath, and many Christians practice it this way as well, you would light a Shabbat or a Sabbath candle. There's actually specific songs and blessings that you might sing over one another. uh, and, And the evening becomes a time of blessing every member in the family. You would enjoy a really tasty meal. And then at some point in the evening, you would go to bed after sundown, as an act of resting in God's sovereign protection over every area of your life. And then Adele Calhoun actually wrote that the Jews woke on Sabbath morning to a world they didn't make and a friendship with a God they didn't earn. And Sabbath was a day of just resting in relationship with God. That sounds beautiful, right? Right? Now, the bad news is that over time, the Pharisees did what the Pharisees would do. You know, uh, Pharisees going to Pharisee. And so what they began to do was they would actually pile on all of these different rules and regulations on top of the idea of Sabbath rest. And so Sabbath rest and what was known as as an intentional day of delighting with and resting in God turned into a legalistic day Overloaded with burdensome rules and regulations. It became a a heavy burden to carry, so to speak, rather than a day of rest. And so by the time Jesus comes onto the scene and he's in his ministry publicly, he was actually a faithful Sabbath keeper. But he did the Sabbath practice in a way that got him into some trouble with the local religious leaders, the Pharisees of the day. The thing was that Jesus actually, he actually understood Sabbath better than anyone else. And so when we want to study what does Sabbath practically look like in somebody's life, we want to look at what Jesus did on the Sabbath. Now, uh, we'll have a lot to say. There's so much that we could possibly say about the Sabbath. To be completely honest, we could do an entire series of multiple weeks just studying the Sabbath. And some of you might leave the church over it. Uh, you, you might be really upset about it. You, you, might, you might feel like we're being legalistic because there's, some, there's a whole kind of a conversation about, well, as New Testament Christians, we're really free from the Sabbath. We just live every day in Sabbath rest because we don't need to earn salvation. Well, we weren't trying to earn salvation in the Old Testament either. So I think we get that a little bit twisted. The point of all of this is that if you, if you want to get into the debate and the, the conversation and all of that. Don't have the debate with me. Just let's have a conversation with Jesus today. And then you go have the debate with my friend AJ Swoboda. He's a PhD. He's smarter than I am. And he's been doing Sabbath for a long, long time. And he actually wrote a book called Subversive Sabbath. So read the book and then highlight all the places where you disagree with him and then send him an email and, and then he might get back to you. For today, though, I'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. If you really actually want to have further conversation about Sabbath and all of the ways that we could dig deeper into it, I would love to talk with you more. There's a lot to say about Sabbath. But today I just want to take a quick look at what Matthew tells us Jesus did on the Sabbath so that we can begin to see the way Jesus used Sabbath as a practice that helped him be a person of Because again, that is our goal, is to be Sabbath keepers so that we can hold our peace. So let's take a look at this uh, this story, these two stories rather, in Matthew chapter 12. So it says, right after Jesus says, come to me all of you who are weary, he says this. At that time, this is what Matthew writes, at that time Jesus passed through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick and eat some heads of grain. The Pharisee, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, "See, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath." Just for context, that was a Pharisee, a Pharisaical rule that wasn't necessarily written into the original text. So, when the Pharisees tried to define what you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath, they said, "Oh, you can't do any of that stuff that your disciples are doing." We'll come back to that in a minute. Here's how Jesus responds. So he said to them, "Haven't you read what David did when he?" And those who were with him were hungry? How he entered the house of God and how they ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him or for those with him to eat, but only for the priests? Now, the context there is that David did this thing that people thought you should get dead for, and he didn't get dead. Or, haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath day the priests in the temple violate the Sabbath? And are innocent? He's talking about how priests actually would have work to do, and that work didn't stop just because it was the Sabbath, and they also wouldn't get dead. Okay, so verse 6, he says, "I, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. He's talking about himself. Something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, then you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus is saying, you think you know the rules of the Sabbath? You don't know anything about the rules of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Here's the second story. It says, moving on from there, he entered their synagogue. There he saw a man who had a shriveled hand, And in order to accuse him, they, this is the Pharisees, asked Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They're expecting him to give a religious answer, which would be, no, of course not. You can't heal on the Sabbath. Who do you think you are asking a question like that? Here's how Jesus responded. Who among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out? Have you seen that video that's going around the internet of the dude who's like pulling the back legs of a sheep out of a hole? And he, he like pulls it out, and as soon as he pulls it out, runs away and then falls into another pit immediately. It's a great metaphor for how God probably feels about us. But anyway, that's a different sermon. So he's saying, of course, if you have an animal, one of your own animals that is in distress on the Sabbath, God's not going to punish you if you take care of that animal. They actually had law or rules and regulations written into the Jewish law that would allow them to break the Sabbath law in order to do something like save a life. And so Jesus goes on, he says, a person is is worth far more than a sheep, so it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was restored as good as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might kill him. Okay, so as I said before, there's so much that I could say about the Sabbath. Our goal today is just to look at how Jesus engaged the Sabbath. I can't even get into all of the, the lessons that we could possibly draw just from these two stories. So let me just give you... Three observations on the way Jesus observed the Sabbath that can be an inspiration for us as we're trying to hold our peace in this overworked, weary, and overwhelming world that we live in. Number one, Jesus affirmed honoring the Sabbath. So Jesus is out taking a walk with his disciples on the Sabbath. The Jewish rule was that you couldn't go out and take a nice long walk with your buddies on the Sabbath, it wasn't allowed. And and so you almost begin to get the picture that Jesus is out walking around just to show everyone, Sabbath, that's so dumb. I'm here now. We don't Sabbath anymore. And there are people who would make the argument that as soon as Jesus came onto the scene, Sabbath is done because it's an Old Testament idea. Now, I need to pause and clarify one thing so that we don't try to call the police on Jesus in the middle of this story. Because what Matthew tells us a story about is that Jesus is walking through a field with his disciples and they started to pick the grain off of, uh, off of the field they were working, walking through and they were eating it. And the, deci- the disciples were doing what Jesus was doing. Now, I-, I need you to understand something, that there was a Jewish tradition that was to intentionally, for farmers, owners of fields, to intentionally not reap all of the grain that they had produced. In fact, there was something called peah, which was initially designated for the poor to come and eat. And there was so peah was a, a, a portion on the corner of your fields that you would leave and and not harvest. And that was that portion of it was called the peah, and it was intentional, on purpose, in, by design, in advance, for thinking that the poor people in our community would be able to come and eat. So this was an act of of justice. So uh, you think that God doesn't care about justice. He absolutely cares about justice in practical ways that impact our daily living. But another element of the way that the payah was to be a blessing to people is that it was also meant to be a blessing not just for poor people, but for travelers who were along the way. And the reason it was designated for poor people and for travelers is because both the poor and the traveler were considered to be people who were not in a home where they could prepare their own food. And so we will actually let you come and take the food from the edge of our field so that you can be provided for. Again, because God cares about your needs. He cares about justice. He cares about taking care of us. So Jesus was not stealing. He was partaking in communal generosity that was extended to travelers. And he and his disciples, as an itinerant preacher at the time, Jesus and his disciples were travelers. So the payal was designated for them. Their issue was not that Jesus and his disciples were stealing food, which is why they didn't, the Pharisees didn't say, hey, why are your disciples stealing? That's not good. He didn't say that. So what are you doing taking food on the Sabbath? So just for context, that's why the disciples didn't get in trouble for stealing, they were about to get in trouble for walking and picking food on the Sabbath. There were so many rules and regulations piled onto the people that the poor and the travelers were not even supposed to take the food left out for them to eat for free on one day of the week. Okay, so now with that in mind, with the the issue being about the way they took the payah on the Sabbath. With that in mind, let's pay attention to the way Jesus responds. What does Jesus do? He reminds them about King David, someone that they knew, someone in their, in their history who was considered one of their heroes, and about their own priests who both have stories that they would have known about how they regularly would have broken the Sabbath, and David, who famously broke the Sabbath, and God did not smite them. They're not guilty of breaking the Sabbath because God is not a legalist. God is interested in the heart condition. Now, as much as we need to notice how Jesus did respond, we also need to pay attention to what Jesus did not say. So Jesus did not say, guys, come on, the Sabbath is a bad idea. He also did not say, don't you know that I'm here now? So the Sabbath is outdated. He didn't say either of those things. Think about what John says in, in the beginning of his gospel when he's talking about Jesus. He's setting the tone for Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's talking about Jesus there. Jesus is the Word. Now, that little aside is really, really important when you understand that Jesus affirmed the Sabbath because Jesus agreed with himself. You can find Sabbath all over the Word, and the Word is Jesus. Jesus literally cannot disagree with himself. And so where is Sabbath in Scripture? This is God's idea throughout history. Let's look at this. In the the fourth of the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20, God says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Pause this is one of the Ten Commandments. Okay, so what are, the, what are the Ten Commandments? Bible school kids? Felt board kids? What are the Ten Commandments? Just name one of the Ten Commandments. Don't steal. No murders. Don't covet. No adultery. Okay, so why is it that nine out of the Ten Commandments, I would lose my job... If I break, but if I break the fourth of the Ten Commandments, honor the Sabbath, I might get a raise. You might get a promotion. Work work as many days as you can. And by the way, when you're not at work, especially in 2022, when you're not at work, keep your email open. Because we're going to probably email you if an emergency comes up. It's their emergency. I don't know who if it's your emergency or not. Work seven days out of the week. You know what? Okay, just work five days of the week. But for the other two, work mentally. Prepare for the way you're going to work. Anyway, I know that's a little bit of an aside, and I know it feels like I'm coming for your job at a moment. But I just want you to remember that even though we're talking about this as a discipline today, this is one of the Ten Commandments. And if you're not allowed to murder the person sitting next to you, Maybe you also are required to keep the Sabbath. No amens on that, but okay. Verse 9 says, you labor for six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord our God. Does it say Lordy on the screen for you? (laughs) The Sabbath day is, 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 is to the Lordy our God. That's awesome. Okay, <laughs> we're trying to keep it light at Life Church. Here's here's what that Sabbath, that seventh day, the Sabbath day, should look like. You must not do any work. We'll define work in a minute. Your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, your livestock, and your resident alien who is with you in the city gates. All of those people cannot do work. Maybe we could consider the way that Sabbath itself is a function of social justice. As we, if you have servants, if you're a boss. You don't get to Sabbath if your servants don't get to Sabbath. We'll talk about this a little bit later. But you shouldn't Sabbath in a way that requires other people to work. Maybe you don't even DoorDash on the Sabbath. For the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. God did not rest on the seventh day because he was tired. He rested on the seventh day to set the tone. Here's another way we see Sabbath in Scripture. God tells Moses to remind the Israelites about the Sabbath in Leviticus 23. Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day is to be a Sabbath of complete rest. A sacred assembly. A sacred assembly. Assembly is, if you've seen Avengers, it's coming together. Right? You are not to do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lordy wherever you live. And then God says this through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 58. If you keep from desecrating the Sabbath, in other words, if you honor the Sabbath from doing whatever you want on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, seeking your own pleasure, or talking business, that's a good description, keep from talking business, then you will delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride over the heights of the land and let you enjoy the heritage of your father, Jacob. I've been noticing a trend in modern worship music, how we're singing all these songs about how God is going to bless us and make us victorious. And we're going to take the land and uh, the the dry bones are going to come back together. And I can hear those bones rattling. We're singing all of these like prophetic declaration praise songs. And I am all about a good prophetic declaration praise song. But listen to what God says, if you honor the Sabbath, then you will delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride over the land, and you will enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob. We don't get the blessing because we sang a good song. We get it because we're obedient people. Didn't know you could get fired up about the Sabbath, did you? Okay, New Testament. The author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Yes, you should effort to enter rest. What does that look like practically speaking? Plan it talk about that a little bit later. See, here's the thing. The problem was never that the Sabbath was bad, but that making it a heavy burden missed the point. Which is why when Mark wrote the same story about Jesus encountering the Pharisees and questioning him going through the grain fields and eating, Mark made it a point to record that Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath is a gift for you. So Jesus affirms the Sabbath, and and he didn't do it with a legalistic heart, because Sabbath is not about legalistic rules. It is a gift of rest. And then the second observation from this story is that Jesus was active on the Sabbath. Okay, so as I I was a kid, when I heard about Sabbath, I I pictured something very specific, because I heard the stories about like the Jews would go into their house, they would light a candle and then they would Sabbath. And something about the way I was told about Sabbath when I was a kid gave me this picture. They would go into a house, they would shut all the doors and all the windows, and it would get super dark, and you could light one candle. You would sit at home for 24 hours all day alone, and you couldn't have any fun. When I was a kid, that's how I understood Sabbath. It's dark and quiet and lonely and no video games. No fun. No friends. Stay at home. And then on Sunday we go to church. Okay, but think again about how Jesus practiced Sabbath. How does this story begin? He's outside on a walk with his homies. I think he's probably telling stories. I love the idea that Jesus and the disciples told jokes. They probably had inside jokes, right? Jesus probably, while his disciples were sleeping on some nights, took Peter, said, I'm going to mess with Peter, just floated him out on the water. (laughs) Just floated him out like we used to at Camp Cedar Crest during winter camp. We'd take the sleeping kid, the kid that slept the heaviest, pick up his mattress, just move him out in the snow they don't do that anymore (laughs) they don't do that and nor should they i love the idea that jesus is hanging out with his closest friends in the whole world on a day of rest and eating free food that's better what is better than that what is better than you hanging out, watching the Super Bowl with your friends and a really good, we're supposed to call them charcuterie boards now. Right? You have the you have the nuts, the cheeses, all the candy. Right? And, and it's even better if you got invited to somebody else's house and they paid for it. This is how Jesus was behaving on the Sabbath. He was not sitting in a room that was quiet and dark all by himself. He was actually out enjoying community. By the way, you know why he could do this? Because he also made it a habit to withdraw for prayer and solitude and silence. You see how the disciplines begin to create a pattern and a rhythm of an entire life. Jesus spent the Sabbath enjoying creation and community and so should we. And by the way, this story actually begins to speak now to one of the most common questions about Sabbath. The question is, if I stop all my work, what am I allowed to do on the Sabbath? A.J. Swoboda, who wrote that book, Subversive Sabbath, he actually talks about this question. He says, it's one of the most American questions you could possibly ask, because as Americans, we are trained to only identify ourselves by what we do, not by who we are as children of God. And so we have to ask the question, what do I do? What am I allowed to do on the Sabbath. So we'll give us ourselves a pass that this is a very American question. It might not be the ultimate kingdom question, but it is a, a, an important question to have an answer for. Jesus' activity actually offers us an answer. Jesus did all kinds of things on the Sabbath and more than once would get in trouble from the principal, the, the Pharisees of the day. Here's why Jesus was able to do all of these kinds of things. Because to him, the things Jesus was doing on the Sabbath, they weren't work for him. See, the rule for the Sabbath is not simply to copy Jesus' activity, but to mirror his heart. So we have to answer the question, what is work when Sabbath says to cease from it? The Hebrews have a couple of words for work, and the kind of work that they used when they would say don't do any work on the Sabbath was the the, the Hebrew word melacha, which specifically referred to skilled or creative work. And there was another Hebrew word, avoda, which meant physical exertion, and that wasn't exempted on the Sabbath. So you could do work that was physical exertion, but you couldn't do things that were uh, creative or skilled work. So the original teaching, in fact, if you study the Torah and you you were a good Jewish student and your rabbi taught you how to uh, practice the Sabbath without any of all of the other, like, laid-on kind of a thing, uh, uh, rules and regulations. Uh, they would define skilled or creative work as ways that you are demonstrating your mastery over the world. So they would say, don't cook, don't write, don't build the tabernacle or work on building the temple on those days. Now, the understanding of, uh, of what all of those things might mean, what work looks like for you might be different than what work looks like for me. And so it's really important that we understand what is it that uh, is work. So physical ex- exertion, again, not completely res- restricted. You're allowed to do physical exertion on the Sabbath, so long as it's not creative exertion. So for me, in my practical personal life, I love to pick up my guitar. And I love to write songs. For me, on the Sabbath, I can play a song, but I try not to write one on the Sabbath. Because I'm not trying to create something. I'm just trying to express something. Do you see the subtle difference there? Now, I, I know some people who songwriting just comes easy for me. It feels a little bit like work. And so you might not find that every musician you've ever met would say, Oh, I can't write a song on the Sabbath, right? Now, I'll give you a couple of other examples. We might even get into this in a few minutes. But for me, mowing the lawn, oh, that's work. So I try not to do that on the Sabbath. But you know what? Another thing that happens around the house on a regular basis for me doesn't feel like work is doing the dishes. There's a window in front of our kitchen sink. I don't know if you heard that. My wife just said, thank you, Lord. I just earned some husband points. But Sharon knows this about me. There's a window that looks out onto our backyard. uh, And and it's it's just a place where I can stand at some times. I do this a couple times, if I'm a good husband, multiple times a week. Um, But even on the Sabbath, I can stand and do the dishes. And sometimes I'll put on, especially if I'm in a Sabbath mode, I'll put on some worship music or I'll listen to something encouraging. And I will just do the dishes in the presence of Jesus. I confess to you that there are moments where dishes do feel like work. Like when my kids, like we had chili a couple days ago, and it's like baked onto the bowl. On those days, that feels a little bit like work. So if it was the Sabbath, maybe I'm not doing the dishes that day. Do you see the subtlety? The, the question isn't about how are you defining work, because for Gary and for Tim, work might look like two different things. The question is, what does your heart say work is? As soon as you are working... And you know, you know, as soon as it's not building your life and or you are building something else, now all of a sudden you've entered in to work. And the reason not building or not creating something on the Sabbath is important is because it's a day to rest and remember God is in sovereign control of the world and your life. And if you never created another thing, he's perfectly fine with that, thank you very much. Because he doesn't need us. We desperately need him and we need to rest. So the point is to determine what work is for you and avoid it like it was the COVID-19. Just avoid it. Do anything you can to not work. So the question we should ask about our own Sabbath activity is not, is this allowed on the Sabbath? But is it different from the work I've been doing for the rest of the week? And is it intended to bring rest? If it doesn't, you have six other days during the week to do all of that work. By the way, you will not ever get to a Sabbath and have all of your bullet points to-do lists and all of the work that is to be done completely finished. Can I tell you that not even God got to the end of his to-do list before the first Sabbath? Think about all of the work that God has still been doing in the world. All of the creating that God has been doing in the world. And on the seventh day, he rested. That matters. He did that to set the tone for us. So another question to help us understand Sabbath keeping and what it should look like could be rooted in Psalm 4610, where we're told to be still and know that I am the Lord. The question is, can I do this activity and be still in my soul before the Lord? So again, Jesus didn't sit alone in a dark room on the Sabbath. Jesus affirmed the practice of the Sabbath. He kept the Sabbath, and he enjoyed creation and community while he did it. And then a third thing that Jesus did is that he demonstrated the ultimate purpose of Sabbath. Think again back to that second story that that Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 12. It's in verses 9 through 11. He goes into the synagogue. He sees a man with a shriveled hand, and what does he do? He heals it. Jesus did not define healing as work because for him, healing was a sign of entering God's rest. Healing, wholeness, is connected to the heart of Sabbath. And Sabbath ultimately being about healing our bodies and our souls. Jesus doesn't look at the man and see that as work for him. Again, I don't know if for you the work of ministry feels like work for you. Can I tell you something? I'm not Sabbathing right now. I'm working right now. I hope that you are Sabbathing right now. That would be awesome if you could come to Life Church and feel like, man, this is a day of rest and enjoyment and community and creation and delighting in God. And, and, and I would love that. But I Sabbath on Saturdays so that I can work on Sundays, and, and you can do the same thing. But one of the beautiful things about about Sabbath is it's meant to be healing for us in the context of community. So Jesus sees brokenness, and he says, that's not hard for me to take. I don't need to take a day off so that I can have the energy to heal you, because he's God. You, however, absolutely need to take a day off so you can be healed. And by the way, when I say the day off, I, I don't mean in the American sense of you taking a day off. Again, where you can still get a text message from your boss or an email from your supervisor. Sabbath is to be completely disconnected from anything that is or feels like work. Now, I want to be clear. We should not interpret that Jesus does a physical miracle on the Sabbath as proof that Sabbath is the day that God owes us a miracle. Or or, or that you are promised to have all of your sicknesses healed if you Sabbath faithfully. We do not practice witchcraft or sorcery in the kingdom of heaven and so there is no magic code or secret way of living or, or words that you can say that will force God's hand to heal your hand. That's not how this works. The point is that God healed on the Sabbath not to demonstrate that all of our sickness will be healed if we Sabbath. Look, all of our sickness will be healed as we live with God. The point isn't can Jesus heal on the Sabbath? The point is God is our healer. Our question is what is work for us on the Sabbath? And healing is part of the work that God is doing while we are not. In fact, Eugene Peterson says Sabbath is, primarily about, is not primarily about me or how it benefits me. It is about God and how God forms me. You, you might change that word to heals. It's about God and how God heals me. It's not in the first place about what I do or don't do. It is about God completing and resting and blessing and sanctifying. It means stopping and being quiet long enough to see open wide with wonder, resurrection wonder. So when Jesus heals, our attention should actually go with wide-eyed resurrection kind of wonder to the God who heals. This should help us to remember that Sabbath is for you, but it is about God. Jesus is not opposed to healing a man's hand or any other part of him on the Sabbath because healing agrees with the purpose of Sabbath, to bring us into freedom and rest and peace. So again, we're not looking for the physical miracle as a sign that we've done a good Sabbath. We're seeing Sabbath as the work of God healing us through rest because we live in a weary and tiresome world. Now, I could go on and on and on and on and on about Sabbath. We could keep talking about all of the different nuances and ways, but I I figured rather than taking a few more of your minutes to give you more lecture-style points about the Sabbath, why don't we turn this into a workshop? So I'm going to invite my wife, Sharon, to come and join me up here. Now, like I said earlier, you're aware that I have just recently finished my doctoral work, and as a result, what that meant doing a a doctoral work during the last three years is that my family had to take a, a certain kind of Sabbath during the last three years because I've always had, for three years straight, I have had... I have had my dissertation in the back of my mind. There was just no getting it out of my brain until it was completed. And that's by design. So that meant that we had to take that into account during my Sabbath. Now that I am done, it is the perfect time for my family to reimagine what Sabbath would look like. And so we thought, as we were planning this message, that it might be a good idea if we do a little bit of that work in front of you so that you can imagine with us what it might look like for you to revisit the idea of Sabbath in your own life. So, Sharon's here so that we can, hi babe, uh, so that we can, in front of you, we're not going to do every detail of our Sabbath here. We don't have time for that today, but we're going to just kind of crack the egg a little bit and show you a couple of ideas about how you can you might be able to uh, workshop or brainstorm your own Sabbath. So, Sharon, can you do us a favor and draw two circles on this lovely Post-it note? Can you guys see these circles? All right, so in, on, on, top of, uh, on top of one of them here, they can't see all, but there's a circle there and there's a circle there, Okay. So, if you can't see that, um, maybe God will heal your eyes as you Sabbath, I don't know. Um, It's not a promise, but okay. Uh, Would you just write work right here? And then next to the other one, would you write the word rest? All right, now, Sharon, can you take just a second and just write a few words that feel like work for you in that first circle? Dishes, yeah. Dishes are Sharon's version of work. That's why she said, thank you, Jesus, when I said that I I agree. Bills and emails definitely feel like work. So far, we're on the same page. Appointments feel like work. Yep. Uh, projects definitely feel like work. Um, babe, could you put sermon writing on there? I love you guys so much. I am so honored to get to preach the word to you but preparing to do it is work. Okay, so (laughs) meetings, yes. Meetings is work. Now, what's interesting is kind of over here, just so we can kind of think about some different ways that maybe we think about work. Well, let's actually move on to this. Uh, We'll come back around to that. Um, What are some things for you that feel like rest? No honeydews. Wow. Sleeping in. Now, sleeping in for me is about 8 o'clock. When's sleeping in for you, Sharon? Uh, about seven. 7. So anything after 5 for Sharon is sleeping in. Um, which is funny because I'll I'll sleep in until 9 and feel really bad about the fact that I've slept in until 8 or 9 o'clock and Sharon goes, oh, I slept in today and she's still gotten up two or three hours before I did on the <laughs> Sabbath. So Uh, What else did you put in here? Laundry. Yes, that is definitely um, work. You put that in the wrong circle. But what she actually wrote here is having the laundry done. (laughs) This is a great example of uh, what it looks like to pre-plan your Sabbath so that on Thursday and during the day on Friday, you get all your laundry finished and you get it put away, so that by the sunset on the evening before Sabbath day, that you actually have your laundry done. That's pretty fantastic. Um, You're writing a lot on there. Okay, so you wrote a ton and I I lost track. Can you fill everyone in on what you wrote?
1: Sure. Um, For me, it looks like enjoying a good cup of coffee. Nobody said amen to that. I'm really amen. surprised. Um, for me, it looks like going out in the garden and tending to the garden and doing the lawn. I love doing yard work on, and it's it was hard to write yard work because it doesn't it doesn't look like work to me. I love being outside, um, reading um, a deeper study in the Word, uh, no cooking, no dishes, and time with family and in lovely weather like this. It's like, let's get our family outside. Let's do something. If I had more, if I could write faster, I would add in there time with friends, um, time with, time in worship, just having worship go through the house um, on our Sabbath. Um, Is this a good time to add in a couple of pro tips? Yes. Okay. Oh, cool. So just a couple pro tips. What I do is I put on my automatic replies on my emails Um, now. So on my Sabbath day for 24 hours, I have it set to auto-reply to anyone who sends me an email, letting them know, hey, don't expect a reply from me. I'm enjoying the Sabbath. And what's interesting is, like, that's probably going to go to people who do not even understand what the Sabbath is. So I kind of explain that to them, and I say, hey, I'm going to enjoy coffee, time with friends, time with the family. If you don't have a church home on Sundays, you can come to Life Church." And I give all the little information and details so people know what they can do, you know, to, and, and when to expect to hear back from me again, which is Monday, because um, I'm also taking my weekend. Um, Tim's writing Doctor Who and soccer. For his, for his rest. Another pro tip is if you have an iPhone, you know that there are there's an automatic reply that will go um, if you set it to driving. It'll send an automatic reply. You can customize that auto response. So even though I'm not driving anywhere, I'll turn on the driving feature so that people know, hey. I'm not responding to text messages today. If this is urgent, you can send it again, and it will come through as an urgent message. But I'm not looking at my phone today. I'm going to be enjoying time. I'm going to be enjoying the families, just so that people know. Because I have this thing about, you know, I I don't want people to think that they're forgotten. So I want to make sure they have all the information that they can, um, knowing that, hey, I'm protecting this day, and maybe it's an encouragement to them as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah?
1: Tim is writing.
0: Yeah, so for me, I listen to a lot of content during the week, and uh, some of that has to do with preparing for lectures, I'm reading books, I'm reading theology books during the week. Uh, Like, for example, I reread A.J. Swoboda's Subversive Sabbath this week by listening to it at two point uh, something speed in my ear while I was driving to teach uh, college classes, and while I was driving home in between making phone calls to people in the church. So you can see that's all work. Right now, interestingly, though, on the Sabbath, I love a good sci-fi audio book. And so while I'm standing doing the dishes on a Saturday, I'm listening to people who are like on a completely different planet. Or I'm like finishing season three of Stranger Things uh, or or trying to convince Hannah to watch season two of Doctor Who with me. Uh, So so I have these like daddy-daughter TV show dates. This is Sabbath time for me, right? Now, I I might watch a documentary during the week. That's work, because I'm trying to fill my brain with content so I can continue to be educated about the Word and what's going on in the world, all of that is work for me. Now, you might read Subversive Sabbath on your Sabbath, and that might fill your tank. For me, I was preparing to preach a sermon about it, so that wasn't a Sabbath book. So again, what what we're framing for you here, and you don't even have to be able to see all of the details. The idea is As you go home, sit with your family. Sit with the people in your household. By the way, if you have roommates, do this with your roommates as well and create a community Sabbath for the people that you live with and and begin to get into a Sabbath rhythm so that you eventually begin to live from the place of rest and you do work from a rested place rather than the American dream, which is you work hard so maybe once a month you can take a vacation day. God says it doesn't matter if the work is done, you are. One day a week at the beginning of your week. Sabbath doesn't end the Jewish calendar week and it doesn't end the Christian week. Sabbath is the first day of your week. This is how we begin and we do all of our work from rest, not to earn it, right? Here's a couple of other pro tips before we pray and we wrap up. Thanks, babe, for helping me with that illustration. Uh, So I've said this a little bit already. You can, yeah, you can clap. That's good. So, a couple of other pro tips for you. Uh, Talk about the auto replies on emails and text messages. I've said this already, but plan your Sabbath in advance. Uh, Are you going to take Sabbath on a Saturday or on a Sunday? I know a person who Sabbaths on Wednesday because that's in this season what is working for their family. So, plan your day and even plan your meals in advance. Now, if you do any cooking, the goal here is that you just, uh, like, I I know a person who just makes pancakes for breakfast breakfast with his family on Sabbath, obviously that's cooking. But he doesn't have to, like, go and get all of the materials. He's already pre-bought all of that stuff. It's already organized and laid out, and so he planned in advance. Another pro tip, write church attendance into your Sabbath schedule because you are intended to enjoy community on the Sabbath. So Sunday, let that be your Sabbath day. Then afterwards, go out and have a meal or invite people over to your house for a pre-prepared meal on Sabbath. Uh, another pro tip: Think about how your Sabbath impacts the ability of other people to take a Sabbath. So I said this earlier, but maybe you don't. You skip the DoorDash, and maybe you skip going out to lunch for a server to run around a restaurant and provide for you, uh, because they also should get to enjoy the Sabbath. So again, this speaks to the larger social justice vision of Sabbath. Isn't God so good that he actually intended for us to have an opportunity where all of us, slaves and servants, employees and bosses, all take the Sabbath off? And if you're in a place where you feel like, man, I just don't know if I can really completely do that because I just have this overbearing boss or maybe because I don't feel like I'm in a a position of privilege to be able to do that, I want to say I empathize with the cultural and social challenges that make it feel like Sabbath is impossible. But Sabbath is itself an act of resistance. To live in such a way that the kingdom of heaven, we're already here for one day every single week. And so for those of us who feel um, uh, put down in, in society and, and, and we are not the privileged to just take a day off at will once a week, I, I want to say to you God's intention for you is to resist the cultural uh, dogma that you are not your own person, that you belong to your boss. And the kingdom of heaven says you are not your own person. You belong to the King of Kings. So he gets to dictate our schedule. And if and if our supervisor says you don't get to take a day off, maybe you begin to pray that God would give you a different job. Because God is that passionate about you having a Sabbath. Whew. Okay. All right. Now, a couple things just to lighten the load here. Start small and build to a Sabbath. If you can do Sabbath for half a day, great, you're halfway there. Can I just give you a pro tip? Sleep for eight hours. If you light a candle on Friday night, if your Sabbath is on Saturday, if you light a candle on Saturday night because your Sabbath day is Sunday, do you know eight hours of your Sabbath you've already scheduled? Because you're sleeping. So start your Sabbath on the evening at sundown and then sleep and you're already eight hours. Shoot for 12 and then build to 24. Because Sabbath is a 24-hour period. And then the final pro tip is, please remember Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, this is a commandment. It is one of the ten. It is number four of the ten commandments. But you are not permitted in the kingdom of heaven to condemn yourself because God doesn't condemn you either. So if you just walked into this place and feel like, oh my goodness, I've been breaking commandment number four of ten? Okay. Okay. Start today walking in the way of Jesus. There is no condemnation here for you. And if this is a hard thing for you, there's no condemnation for you on the journey. Follow the way of Jesus. It will be hard. I promise you, though, it will be worth it. So my challenge for you is to map out your own Sabbath with the people that you live with. And next weekend, as we begin Holy Week... I want to invite you to begin to practice your Sabbath, whether that's on sundown on Friday, like my family will do, or sundown on Saturday, take Sabbath with us next weekend. Can I pray a blessing over you before we uh, close our service? Jesus, we say thank you to you for Sabbath. Thank you that you affirmed the Sabbath. Thank you for the ways that this teaching is challenging and maybe even correcting for some of us because we know that you correct those that you love. Thank you that Sabbath is a gift and thank you that even though Sabbath is a gift for us, it is about you. And so help us, Lord, to put our focus and attention and to even schedule our lives to be about you. Thank you for this discipline and this command. Help us to honor you. And so, Life Church, I pray this blessing over you as you work towards Sabbath rest so that you can live and work from Sabbath rest. May you, in Jesus' name, receive Sabbath as a gift of rest for your body and soul. May you honor God in both your Sabbath keeping as well as you do in your working. As you rest, may your body and your soul and your spirit experience healing. And may your Sabbath keeping be a blessing to those around you as you invite others into Sabbath delight and into the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you say thank you to the Lord if you heard something that was encouraging today?